Welcome to the message podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Make sure you join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road and a new campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, at our Harrisonburg campus, we have a Spanish campus that meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. Check out our website, cotnaz.org, for more information. Lord, it's your breath this morning that's in our lungs. Lord God, it's your life. Father, may we pour out our lives to you in praise. Lord Jesus, we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, Lord God, the Sunday where we can look back and we can say, yes, the victory was won. Lord God, today we claim victory in Christ Jesus. May our every breath bring you praise, Lord God, for you alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Happy Easter. Uh, My name is Jared Link. I'm the campus minister here at the East Rock campus of the Church of the Nazarene, and I can tell already that some of you are extremely nervous because you have never, ever seen a preacher bring a lunchbox to a sermon. I mean, you were wondering, what have I done today? I see you out there. I I get that sense of nerves, but I want to just remember for a moment, don't lunchboxes come with just a little bit of nostalgia? Like, can you remember back, did you have your favorite, like, uh, Ninja Turtles or Power Rangers or a Barbie lunchbox that you was just so proud of that you took to school every day? I, I carried this one as a lifeline when I was in construction for so many years, so I'm not, but I'm so removed from this lunchbox even now. Uh, but you remember as, as you would get to lunch or to break, you would open the lunchbox and it's always kind of a wonder, what, maybe what did mom put in there? What did I throw in there? What can I look forward to? And I mean, you might pull out a sandwich and, you know, I mean, let's face it, how exciting can a sandwich be? I mean, unless it's country ham and then I'm down, like I'm good with some country ham, but, you know, other than that, it was kind of a meh. So you would rummage around a little farther and you might pull out something that's okay. We got some Chex Mix or you might have some Cheetos or something like that. You know, it's looking a little better. But this, while we're pulling lunch out, we're always kind of remembering that good item that, that might be in there. We're hoping for some fruit gushers or maybe a little Debbie or maybe a double-decker banana moon pie. That's what I'm talking about. Like there was always that thing we were longing for. And then, of course, you're rummaging around. You pull out abominations like celery sticks. I mean, who does that? They're only made to carry ranch when you're eating hot wings. That's it. That's the only purpose celery ever has. And so you're rummaging around. You Finally, you get to your little Debbie or whatever, your double-decker banana moon pie. Don't judge me. Banana's the best. I don't care what you say. But you're looking for this good item, and you know that you're, as you're looking around because you're sitting at that lunch table, right, and you're watching. You're watching what everybody else is pulling out of their lunch box. Like a vulture over roadkill, man, we're just watching. What good stuff did their mom pack them that maybe we don't have at our house? Because then, once you see that item, that coveted thing that you want, 
you start looking around going, man, what can I trade? A nasty banana, some celery sticks, right? We were always looking for that person that we could make a bad trade with, right? Man, if you had deer jerky where I come from, like that was it. You could trade anything you wanted for some deer jerky, okay? But you would look and you would say, well, I will give you some celery sticks, a banana. I'm even going to throw in some fruit snacks. Can I have your double-decker banana moon pie? You're looking for that person that you could trade with to make a bad trade with because, let's face it, when we're kids, when we're younger, and we're just kind of looking to trade something to get a little something better for ourselves. And the reality today, friends, is that though we have some nostalgia and some laughs around a lunchbox, and if I go real long, I'm going to hit these snacks here today. Uh, don't worry, it'll be your crock pot roast will be good. But we, as we laugh and as we remember today, friends, we, we realize and reflect that Easter is a great exchange. Easter today, the resurrection celebration of Jesus, a rise and conquering death is a celebration of a great exchange. The reality is that we serve a God who's willing to make some bad trades with us. We serve a God that is willing to trade us something far better than a banana double-decker moon pie. He's willing to trade us for something far better than a good old country ham sandwich with double mayonnaise. He's willing to trade us his life. As you reflect today, as you think about your life, still within this marathon of COVID that we live in, this craziness, this craziness that we live in, what's the hardest thing? What's the most painful thing, the most challenging that you're dealing with right now? Where's that low place for you today? Is it sickness? Is it despair? Brokenness, hopelessness, heartbreak? God will trade you for it. God will trade you for it. That's what Easter's all about. God will trade you for it. One of the glories of God is that he makes bad trades. We can trade. We just sung about trading ashes for his beauty. We can trade our mourning for his joy. We can trade our despair and he will give us a song of praise. We can trade our broken and feeble roots, and he will make us oaks of righteousness. We can trade our death, and he will give us his life. Many of us know today the reality of ashes all too well. It's all around us. Today, we, we can feel like a fire burned out without even so much as an ember of hope to cling to. There's lots of words for ashes today. Hopelessness. Brokenness, unforgiveness, anger. Woundedness, emptiness. Whatever it is that these ashes are, are related, they're kinfolk to the ultimate ashes that we face. And that's the reality of death. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look 
into the reality, the beauty, the joy that we find in a God who's willing to make bad trades with us. We're going to begin our, our look today in the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. So Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus would walk the face of the earth, and, and Isaiah's name means salvation of Yahweh. Boy, his parents did him a favor that time, right? Salvation of Yahweh, Isaiah. And Isaiah is a prophet, so he's speaking on behalf of the Lord. He's speaking truth to power in his time. And, and the culture, the, the nation of Israel was like a heart rate monitor, if you will. They would be obedient, and they would ride high on the promise and the blessing of God, and then they would turn to idolatry and covetedness, and then they would fall into disobedience. And then a shift of power would come, and they would be a season of obedience again to fall off into disobedience, like a heart rate monitor. And the prophet Isaiah speaks truth. He, he proclaims the word of God to his people. And so that's where we pick up today in Isaiah chapter 61. We're going to begin in verse 1. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So what we see here is, is the prophet Isaiah speaking hope. He's speaking even a promise of salvation yet to come. And, and sitting in our 2021 perspective in our seats here looking back, uh, it's sometimes hard to follow along with his words, with his writing, with his style. It can be a lot like poetry. The prophet will look back on past events, and then within the same sentence, with a stroke of a comma, he'll be thousands of years ahead. And you get this sense that as you read the prophet Isaiah that, that you might be up on the skyline drive. Right, just, just picture an overlook there on Skyline Drive. As you look out across the valley, you can, you can very distinctly see the bowl and the peak of Massanutten. We can see Reddish Knob afar off in the distance. Depending on which way we look, we can see the mountaintops. But yet we can't always tell how much distance is between us and those portraits and the mountains. We don't always, always know the depth of the valley that is between us and the mountaintops that we see. And we get that sense in Isaiah's writings that as he is writing, he's painting portraits of mountaintops of salvation, of hope, but yet the reality of the nation of Israel is that there was a lot of valley to trod through before they would realize that mountaintop of hope and salvation. Because ultimately, the people, the nation of Israel would, would be cast out, they would be exiled from their land because their disobedience was so severe. The nation, the empire of Babylon carried them away into captivity and there they would remain. And so the prophet Isaiah is speaking forth. He's painting these mountaintops. And yet the depths and the reality of the valley lie between us. And so you can imagine as the nation of Israel is, is taken captive into the empire of Babylon, that homesick feeling. Some of y'all like to travel, and I don't know what the matter with you is, but nothing's wrong with home, right? Like, that's where I want to be. And so homesick is a reality for me. You get me away from home for like a week, I'm done. I'm out. I want to go home. And so there's that reality, that homesick feeling, that emptiness in your gut you can feel. And the prophet is speaking and writing these words to the people of Israel. What hope they would have brought. What anticipation, what leaning in of the good news of what God was up to. And you might be saying, what does that have to do with Easter? 
why are we reading this today on Resurrection Sunday? The reality is, is that Jesus pointed to this very scripture to tell us what his life here on earth and beyond was about. If you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 4, we read this just a couple weeks ago. But Luke chapter 4, in the life and in the chronological order of Jesus' ministry, we are very early. And so this is kind of like a manifesto of who I am, what I'm about, what I'm doing here. And listen to the text that he points to. And it says, we know that he went back to his hometown and, and Nazareth and that region was, was not where you went if you were an up-and-coming, a rising star in religion. That was not where you went. But we see Jesus of humble beginnings returning to his hometown into Nazareth. And so we pick up our text today in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. And all this text for for me today is out of the NIV. So verse 16, he says, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Want a good reason to go to church? Jesus went to church. Sidebar, that was free. So he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. This will sound very familiar. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So as Jesus very intentionally points to this passage in Isaiah, so we too in the next couple weeks are going to dig in and do a deep dive into this passage. Because the reality is that what we've heard is good news, it's encouragement. Jesus is saying, I have come. There's going to be encouragement, there's going to be freedom. He also knows what comes next in the book of Isaiah. And I think we read on in the gospel account of Luke that the people he spoke this to got angry at him for claiming this because the reality is they too knew what else was coming in Isaiah's prophecy. So let's turn back. Let's turn back to the book of Isaiah, picking back up in our text in chapter 61. You remember verse 2, it says, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of of his splendor. Out of all the Old Testament passages, out of all the Old Testament scriptures, out of everything Jesus could have pointed to, he goes here. He goes here, and we find in these texts, we find how he navigated, how he moved, how he loved, how he ministered. Out of all the places he could have pointed to, out of the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham and to David, He points here in the book of Isaiah. As we read this text, we can very easily see this idea of three great exchanges, three bad trades, if you will, and the result of God's faithfulness in our lives, that we would be oaks of righteousness for his splendor. That's purpose today, friends. 
So we're going to take the deep dive today as we begin. We're going to begin looking at this idea of beauty instead of ashes. Beauty instead of ashes. Now, if we could see today back into the original language that this was written in Hebrew, we would see a little bit of a play on words. Now, my Hebrew is terrible, so forgive me for this. You can find better on YouTube. But the the idea of beauty here, as we look at beauty instead of ashes, the Hebrew word there is something akin to pa'er, pa'er. And that meaning is splendor and majesty and royalty. And we get this picture for our context. If, if you attended a wedding, you see how the bridegroom and the bride are adorned in their very best. They've put on their finest. They've adorned themselves. The bride has done her hair and looks so beautiful, adorned in a headdress. And that's the idea, the mental picture we have as we look at this idea of beauty, of pa'er. And we contrast that with ashes. The original word here is affair. So you have pa'er as beauty and affair as ashes. And this idea of ashes is total worthlessness. It's been used up. It's been burnt out. So you see a stark contrast in the meaning of the words, but yet you see the play that the prophet puts on how they sound. The contrast of the meaning is stark. How similar they sound is to point us forward. As the prophet is writing this, again, we have to take our minds back into the date that this was written. And in that culture, if you were grieving, if you were heartbroken and you were mourning, you would literally find yourself seated in a pile of ashes. And you would take those ashes and sprinkle them upon your head as, as an outward sign of grief. Now, from us who deal with our feelings by scrolling through a glowing box, that seems really strange. But this was the culture, that's the picture of people mourning in this time. And that the ashes that they were sitting here, there's a symbol of destruction, of despair, of hopelessness. And there they would sit upon their ash pile, adorned upon their head. And so we see what the prophet is proposing here is a great exchange. That we can take the beauty and the splendor of God, we can receive that and we can give our ashes, our despair, our brokenness to God. This idea of a trade, this idea of ashes, this bad trade can be many things. It can be things like healing for woundedness, rebuilding for what we thought was destroyed. It can be wholeness in the deep places of our brokenness. It can even be gentleness and place of anger. It can be courage for shame. But on Resurrection Sunday, friends, the reality, the great exchange that has taken place is that it can be a trade of life for death. There stands an offer on the table this morning before us all. God wants to trade us. God wants to trade us our ashes, the broken places, the hurt that we came in with, those hardened places in our hearts, he wants to trade us for his resurrection power, his life to be alive in us. There stands an offer on the table this morning to trade beauty for ashes. Do you want to trade today? Do you want to trade today?
Do you want to trade today? Let's turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. This is the Apostle Paul writing here. Now, the Apostle Paul, he started out his life as a religious zealot. I mean, he was a fanatic for the Jewish faith. I mean, he, he took his faith to the point that he was persecuting those who professed Jesus Christ. He was hunting them down. But yet God intervened. He made a great exchange. And so that's whose words we're reading here. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. And we find in the Apostle Paul's words here, a great reality and a great exchange. Chapter 2 of Ephesians, beginning of verse 1, says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. What a stark reality today. Verse 2 says, We were dead in our transgressions and sins in which we used to live when we followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. You, we, we were dead. You say, preacher, are your contacts good today? I'm very much alive. No, I can see just fine. The reality is today is the death he's talking about is a spiritual death. You and I are sinners apart from a holy God. Apart from Christ Jesus, there is a living death at work within us. Paul would write to the church in Rome that the wage of sin, what you earn, just like you go to work to earn a paycheck to provide, what you earn in sin is death. And that's the reality that he's talking about here is that we were dead in our sin and our transgressions, separated and shamed because that's what sin always does. It's what it's done from the very beginning account in Scripture to the end is that it separates and it shames and it divides us from relationship of the holy God for which we were made. Talk about ashes. That's the reality. Talk about hopeless and a homesick feeling of reality. But friends, it's Easter Sunday. It's not the end of the story. Because of Jesus, we have hope. As we pick back up in our text today, we read, the NIV really lets me down here, but at verse 4 it says, but because, and your translation might say, but God, but God, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, what a great thing to know that God is rich in mercy. Of all the things to be rich in, the God who, who hung the stars and told the seas where to stop is rich in mercy. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Friends, today if you are in Christ, the reality is true that that you were dead and you have passed to life. There's been a great exchange. God's mercy, though, though what we earned was death, when we confess Jesus, what we receive in trade is life. Life here and now to the full, to drink from the living waters of Christ Jesus, and we have the promise of eternal life to come. 
This idea of mercy, though it's never spoken in the text of Isaiah, is all through it. Because it's only mercy that causes God to make these bad trades. Right? Why Why would God trade us the ugliness, the stain, the guilt, the shame, the things that we hold? He's crying out to us, I will give you something. I will give you beauty for those ashes. It's mercy. It's mercy. I want to share with you today a story. We're going to watch a, a testimony of, of Lewis. As we watch this story today, will you consider beauty for ashes today? Both my grandfathers, my grandfather and great-grandfather were pastors. I grew up in church, going to church every Sunday. I was part of Christmas plays and stuff like that. When drugs got a hold of my life and uh, that's just what I was feeding myself, I began to stray away from God. At the age of nine, I was uh, taken out of my parents' home and placed into custody. By the time I was a teenager, I would start to sell drugs and use on a regular basis. At the age of 16, I took charges for my dad. Uh, that landed me in prison for 24 months, and during this stint in prison, uh, my mom would pass away. Um, after I was released, I continued to spiral downward. Uh, I continued to use drugs and sell harder drugs. I was busted again, and this time I was looking at 13 years. And uh, what, during this time of being incarcerated, uh, my dad passed away, tragically, and January of 2019. Uh, I eventually was released on probation and um, I was just bitter and full of resentment, full of full of hatred for, you know, things that we, oats that we hadn't sowed, you know, before he passed away and, you know, just not being able to say goodbye. Um, I was at my rock bottom and uh, I was on the verge of losing my family and my sanity um, I resorted to a suicide attempt to keep my family and continue to be a father to my children. One night, desperate for change, I hit my knees and asked God to come into my life and make things new. I just wasn't being completely honest with, with God. And I still had a little bag with some drugs in it and a straw, and it was all ready to as soon as this was all over with, I was ready to use again. And I just felt deeply that it was a slap in the face to God and that I, if I was really serious about this, I needed to be serious and not play. And, you know, so I hit my knees again and I got rid of the drugs that night. I called my cousin Nathan, desperate still to change my life and to stay clean from drugs. He and his Celebrate Recovery leaders held a prayer meet that would start the process that would change my life. God was working. 24 days later, my son and I would board a plane from Kansas City to Virginia. Our family still wasn't complete. During a fishing trip to Switzer Lake, my son prayed 
that his mother would come to Virginia and that we would be a family. God was working. Sixteen days later, she would drive over a thousand miles so we could finally be a family. On our ninth year anniversary, Pastor Margaret would marry Ashley and I at the same exact spot that Liam had prayed for his mother to come and be a family just two and a half months prior. Since I've moved up here, um, I've been able to buy a car from a dealership, which is something that I was never really interested in doing because all my money was just tied up in drug use. I've got, I've got a job. I am taking the 12-step program and eventually going to be a leader in the CR. Things have just been amazing, uh, just how quickly things started you know, to work in my favor. As soon as I made that choice to surrender and uh, that I definitely wanted a new life, and as soon as I was serious about it, all things started to fall into play. Seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness, and all things will be added to you, Matthew six thirty three. I'm just thankful for all the prayers that my grandparents, for CR, for the people here, for people in my family that just prayed for me and believed in me. Um, they just never gave up, um, and I was on the verge of giving up. And uh, by not doing so, it, it's, it's made all things new. To bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Lewis said, I was on the verge of giving up. You ever been there? Have you ever been there? Are you there today? Maybe your story doesn't match up line for line with his. Maybe your ashes are broken relationships today. Maybe ashes for you is your anxiety or fear, maybe even anger. Anger at the world. Maybe it's a past that runs you down with regret. Maybe you're here today with that empty Stomach, that knot of homesick feeling because you know things just aren't right. Do you want to trade today? Do you want to trade your ashes for God's unimaginable, unfathomable beauty? You may feel like your ashes are so burned up that, that you can't even stoke up an ember of hope today. You may have feeling like that you just have no hope, like God doesn't care, like he doesn't see you. But friends, the Easter reality is that there is a trade available for you today. You have not gone too far. Your ashes are not too deep. The God who raised, who resurrected Jesus from the dead wants to make a trade with you today. And this is better than celery sticks and moon pies, friends. This is healing and redemption for your life now and the promise of eternity to come. 
The reality is today, friends, that sometimes we get comfortable in our ashes, don't we? That the patterns of hurt, the patterns of brokenness are just what we know as life and we're comfortable there. Lewis said that he had to surrender. Sometimes, friends, we have to surrender the comfort of our brokenness to find true healing. To receive from him the crown of beauty that only he can give. Do you want to trade today? I ask you today to to bow your head and to bow your heart. The band's going to play here in just a moment. If today, if you would like to make a trade, God's asking. The offer's on the table. The goods have been brought out of the box. Jesus is out of the grave, and he says, do you want to trade? Will you put your trust in him today, friend? Will you trust him? Will you give up the comfort of your brokenness? To be filled with his new life. If you want to make that trade today, begin by asking him for forgiveness. Confess your need of a savior. Your need of a new life. Bring your ashes before him. And receive from him the crown of beauty that only he can give. God is faithful today, friends. He is trustworthy. The reality is that in Christ Jesus, there is always beauty on the other side of our ashes. Do you want to trade today? I offer to you today that you may remain seated and pray and seek the Lord while He may be found. Today, if you want to rise and worship and celebrate the good news of Jesus' resurrection, celebrate the crown of beauty that he has bestowed upon us. As your heart is clear and you want to praise and worship, stand with us and praise the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord Jesus, it's in your name today that we come seeking your beauty in place of our ashes. Do what only you can do today, God. Do what only you can do. It's in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.